So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not, and then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. Hi, Chris. Hi, Liz. How are you? You know, I feel okay. I'm fully transitioned off my medication. My medication, if anyone's tuning in for uh, anxiety, it was it was prescribed for social anxiety. Air okay. Social anxiety. Um because I get a lot of social anxiety. I'm completely fine at home. I'm like, la da And then I go out. And if I'm not in a great, if I'm not in an amazing place in my life, I am like a scared cat slash aggressive dog to people where I'm just like, if you get near me, I feel really like aggressive to, towards you out of like fear. And also I will try to hide from you purposefully and watch you until you walk away. You need to growl a little bit. And growl a little. Um, this is only for crowds. This is not for for individuals, not really bad unless you creep me out. But for crowds, I'm immediately like everyone needs to just know. No. I tried to go to I went to downtown Durham on Friday. Uh, and I was like, wow, going out on a Friday night, like a cool person. 15 minutes later, me and my fiance, Andrew, were back in the car. Like, nope. I was on a certain medication. It's called, it was called Effexor. And that, it felt like it changed my life when I started that. I started that over two years ago. And then after, like within the last eight months, I feel like it's just kind of stopped working. Okay. And Andrew felt the same. He's like, I don't, you know, it just, you know, it wasn't reaping. I, I feel like I wasn't, there wasn't a return on investment. And so then I switched with the help of a doctor, I switched to Zoloft. Um, and it kind of just felt like, I'm like, I don't feel like anything's better. I don't feel like anything feels better at all from this. Mm-hmm. And so you don't so think I, your social anxiety has declined from being on the medicine. You think it's the same as it was before you started taking it? Is that what you're saying? The new medication, yes. My, I, I feel like my anxiety, I feel like a lot of good things happened when I went on Effexor, which was supposed to be a temporary medication for me, not for everyone, but, for, but my doctor told me it was just supposed to help me with like my growth to move, to move um, forward with things I needed to do in my life and obstacles without having all the tremendous emotion kind of basically i'm very emotional i've always been very emotional and my emotion can really get in my own way like everyone but i think to kind of an extreme like i am very perfectionistic i i you know will say something and then i'll be like oh my god did i say something wrong and i'll evaluate how someone may have felt about something i said even if it had nothing to do with them so very highly critical 
very socially anxious. Like I love to go in my closet and hide and be like, no one can see me. I feel safe. Well, that means there's clearly a reason that you have all these feelings, right? And these things swirl around our discussions quite frequently when it comes to how you worry about the perception that other people have, how much you're consuming or what you look like physically or any of these things. So I think a lot of this is really tied together to some of the, the concerns that you have around eating. If anybody's wondering why we're talking about this first, I think it's important to say that you, you know, it's really, really hard to separate the eating behaviors from the emotions, right? In fact, I would oh, say yeah. oftentimes <laughs> it's not separate at all. And I would say, you know, we've said this before and we talked about it before, I think on this podcast, but like, it's never the food, right? Mm-hmm. But really like 99 times out of a hundred when I have a new client, like it's not that they fundamentally have never been told how to eat well, right? That's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So everybody had a grandma. Yeah. Well, most people had a grandma. I shouldn't say everybody. But you know what I'm saying? It's like you heard this somewhere along the line. Yeah. Vegetables and you need to drink enough water and you need to sleep and you need to have enough protein and variety in your diet. Like these are not surprises to anybody, really. It's just there's some reason you're not doing it. And so for you, I think a lot of this social anxiety is part of it. So it's an interesting thing to attempt to go off of any mitigation strategy, even though they feel like it wasn't working, um, at a time when you're actually going to be facing a lot more social anxiety by having a wedding. So I it's know. an interesting experiment you're doing on yourself. And so I'm, I'm interested to hear how you feel like it's affecting what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks in regards yeah. to pollution control and you're focusing more on nutrient-dense positive additions of food versus reduction of bad food yeah and also i mean i will say this although i want to be really careful i also with my doctor's permission basically um i also am going went off my medication um weaned off of it i did not i did not do cold turkey i weaned off of it over two weeks and I also, you know, noticed a correlation when I started my medication that I started gaining weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I switched to my new medication, I gained even more weight. And I was, correlation does not equal causation. One thing I learned in statistics. Mm-hmm. And I, it could have been other things. It could have been other things. But it's been over two years now. I feel like... The medication, I feel like things have stabilized in my life. The medication, I don't feel like has been helping that much. Also, it was supposed to be temporary anyway, according to the doctor. So, I'm in a way, I'm doing an experiment to see, do I start dropping weight now that I'm off the medication? Or did that really never have much to do with it? And unfortunately, the research out there, it seems really sparse. Some people will say like, oh, it's because it makes you want to eat more. Um, and some people will say it'll actually change your metabolism. And I can't find any really great scientific evidence that actually gives you some sort of answer. I just, well, like, I don't know. That's probably because there isn't any, because this is the kind of study which is nearly impossible to get really fantastic concrete data out of, because it's all based on self-reporting and on feelings. Yeah. And it's like, it is already pretty hard for 
any individual to recognize and assess and classify and organize their own emotions, never mind having an external person have that be described to them and doing those same things and being able to accurately correlate thousands of other things you did during the day to those feelings and the outcomes. And so I just want to say, like, pretty much medically, we can say that, like, medication alone cannot cause you to just gain weight out of nowhere, right? The laws of thermodynamics are immutable. There is neither energy gain nor loss. It is transferred. So if you are gaining weight, there is somewhere along the way that either you're metabolically not where you think you are and you're eating more than your metabolism is currently capable of handling. It doesn't mean you're eating too much. It means that maybe there's an issue there. It could be an issue with regulation of hunger hormones that's triggered by the medication, but the food is going in somewhere, somehow, right? And that's not to say that you're fundamentally overeating. Don't misunderstand I'm saying like your energy balance is out of whack somewhere. And that's what's interesting to look at. And so one of the things you wanted to talk about today is possibly getting up some metabolic testing done to yeah. see where metabolism metabolism is actually at. So I think it's worthwhile to spend a little time talking about metabolic testing. Yeah. Different versions that there are out there and what it can tell you, what it can't tell you. Um, yeah, that's what that's why I wanted to ask you. I was like, metabolic testing is it is it a legit thing? It seems a little scary when I was looking to get tested. I, I'm like, you breathe in a tube? I'm like, how does that tell you anything? Oh, well, okay. Let's talk about the science of how that works, right? Okay. So, so you know, like, basically, you breathe in oxygen, right? And it goes into our bloodstream, it's delivered to cells, and our blood is responsible for transporting all of the nutrients that get to our cells as well. So, like, the energy machine that is you functions off of the in and out of things into your body, right? And one of them is oxygen, the other is food and water. And then there's the out, which nobody likes to talk about except the Germans. So we'll stick to the in for now. I don't know. We've uh, talked a lot about it, but I, my last name <laughs> is Hefner. So. But so when you actually think about um, how do you actually lose weight, one of the things people often don't realize is that as you exhale, you're exhaling carbon dioxide, but you're also exhaling um, energy, right? That's how you lose weight, basically by breathing. And no, you cannot breathe super fast and lose exercise. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but this is the process by which some of this leaves your body, right? So obviously there's the oxygen processing and energy processing that goes on there, but there's also the food processing that comes, you know, in one end and out the other. And those are the two ways where you lose energy. So yes, you can breathe into a tube and they can give you an idea based on the composition of what's in your breath of how your metabolism is functioning. So is it super duper backed up science at this point? Yeah. No. Really nothing. No. But the whole point is that all of these areas of science are newer and we're all working very hard on accumulating as much data as we can and figuring out what it means and whether that's anecdotal data, which is less reliable, but in a huge, huge sample may show some trends, um, or whether it's, you know, concrete physiological information that we're processing through. So it's like, is metabolic testing worth it? Maybe. It could give you a picture of what's going on. And again, just like tracking your weight, it's about getting data points. It's not about like this one number is good or bad. It's like, if this is where I started and I changed some stuff and I test again, 
what's the change that I see? Not necessarily like my metabolism is good or bad. Does that make sense? So, you know, this is emerging stuff too, is how can we affect our metabolism and our base metabolic rate, our basal metabolic rate? Like, can we affect it positively? We know that we can affect it negatively, right? There's been studies like they did after the Biggest Loser um, show where they showed that they, the people who had participated and lost extreme amounts of weight put most of it back on. And yeah. it was because not necessarily they had fundamentally changed how they were eating post recording of the show but it was that they had actually taught their body that this was the only available food around and their body was like cool well this is what we're going to work with and we'll just decide we need less and down regulate other processes and so yeah and i think i want to i want to put a highlight on that because i think that's really important to understand because i I don't think i really understood it till recently Mm -hmm. that when you're thinking of things like the biggest loser you know I would always think I would hear that statistics about people putting on even more weight after they were off the show. And I was like, oh, it's just because they weren't in their controlled environment. And, you know, they just went back to their old habits, but it's actually deeper than that. It is like their metabolism now is only burning like a thousand calories because they're only getting like a thousand calories and, and their metabolism has significantly well, it's a to that, right? This is the amazing thing about the human body is that it will it will deal with whatever you throw at it. It will find a way because its its function, its main primary directive, for lack of a better word, is survival, right? Yeah. Survival, reproduction, and then you know, I was just saying this to my mom because my mom called me yesterday and she was saying, "Oh God, I'm sixty and stuff hurts and I feel like." Even though I'm doing the same things, like I'm gaining some weight, and I said, well, you're, you're potentially losing some muscle because you're not actively trying to preserve it, which will downregulate your metabolism a little bit over time. You know, like you're just not expending as much energy maintaining yourself. And so we've all, as human beings, started to live way past nature's sort of expiry date for us. You know, when you look at what the purpose of being a live thing is on the planet, it's like survive long enough to reproduce survive long enough for your offspring to be successful and peace out. And, you know, like, look at the octopus. Like, octopus mom gets eaten by the babies. What the fuck is that? That's fucked up. Hey, really? Yeah. John Oliver just did this special on on octopuses, and he did not mention that. I feel betrayed. I'm sorry. I learned it from this show called My Octopus Teacher, which was... I know. Who, like, made friends with this octopus only. I don't know. The baby eats the parent? Yeah, because the mom dies and then it provides food. Oh, so they die first. They die as the, yeah. Oh, it's not like the baby is like, fuck you and just eats you. (laughs) It happens in the animal kingdom. You know, it's like, this is the this is the primary directive of life, right? So when you look at it from that perspective and you look at how your body manages energy intake, and output that's the underlying goal and when you start messing around with that intentionally right you can get some pretty wacky unexpected results because your body's like oh problem it's like it's like <laughs> i sound so hate to say this but it's like vanilla ice it's like if you got a problem yo i'll solve it so like and you've got to remember that <laughs> vanilla ice but it's true i mean and 
I think this is the, the tricky situation with when we start talking about metabolism because it feels like an easy fix. Oh, I'll just I'll just fix my metabolism. My metabolism is broken. That's why I'm gaining weight. And it's like, well, okay, maybe, sort of, kind of, but you still have to foundationally give your body the things that it needs to thrive and do it consistently enough that it feels comfortable and confident that that's going to keep coming. And when you start doing lots of starvation and restriction of food or other things, you know, like oxygen restriction is interesting because if you think about high altitude living, for example, your body learns to adapt to less oxygen in the air. It just does it. It's like, oh shit, there's not as much air around. So I'll just make more cool, make more blood and do that. And the process of that happening isn't super comfortable for the organism. <laughs> and if you do it really badly, it can kill you, you know, like if you go too quickly or you don't respect the process of that, like your body can't adapt quick enough. And so when you think about food intake or sleep or any of these other physiological baseline needs that we have, like it's really important for us who are studying it, like scientists who are studying it, to get a really good picture of what, like, ideal looks like. And then from there, figure out what happens. I think, you know, it's, and that's hard to achieve, again, because generating the, the quality data is so, so challenging in this type of research. Yeah, it's uh, my head. I've already been like working on it so hard and learning as much as I can. And my head is still, it's still spinning right now. Like there are so many different factors and variables and all sorts of things. And I think hypotheses about what happens. Yeah. And I think I'm just going to say this because it's comforting. And I know you will, you, this is where you come from you got to figure out your own owner's manual. You got to figure out what is right and good for you and not worry about Well, I mean, you have to, because you're a, you're a coach, <laughs> but I don't have to worry right. about what works else. Right. But it's also, I think, you know, the more information you can gather, the more data points you can generate, the better. And maybe, you know, you, you keep some and you throw some out based off of upcoming knowledge. Maybe you go get this metabolic testing done and you think, wow, this is, this is amazing. And this is the thing I'm going to work with now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go like headlong into trying to work with this metabolism information I've got. And then you do that for six months. And you're like, well, I didn't make a damn sign of difference. So next, but now you've found something out or you found something else that works or, you know, you're, you're iterating the process and that's the important thing. So it's not getting yeah. Metabolic testing is not the next thing that is the answer because there is no the answer right now. I mean, maybe in a hundred years we'll have the answers, but I doubt it. It's like I just want something that's the answer so badly. I just want to. I just want to figure out the fucking formula and be all like, yay, win. But it's but, not like that. But the formula is somewhat known, right? It's just not as easy to implement as people would like it to be. The formula is eat adequate vegetable and fruit servings and nutrient density from plants. Eat adequate protein to repair your cells and keep your body functioning optimally. Eat decent quality fat, right? As in things that are found naturally, not necessarily processed fats that are man-made. Get enough sleep, move your body around, make sure you're pooping regularly, and make sure you're emotionally 
happy with you know your relationship Ooh, that's a hard the being emotionally happy I'm like, I on, you know that's based off of lots of things and we can go on like a crazy tangent about how difficult that might be for people but the point is that the fundamentals are known the fundamentals are known and people yeah. don't look at only the fundamentals and work on those they want the magic answer everybody does i mean i still do i would love for yeah. somebody to what it was this awesome. oh my god it was this one thing you guys it was this yes. one thing and i just you cut it out of my life or implemented it and now what? it's fixed everything I'm so i would totally still love for that to be the case but the you know the, it's not it's, it's not, not it's not but the the more legitimate learning is there's so much information just like probably everyone is listening to this there's so much fucking conflicting information that i've gathered over the years on fitness and diet and nutrition and whatever you want to call it so much fucking fucked up information which um i am now much more suspicious of the things that seem like quick fixes <laughs> like everyone everyone this is the age of the low carb diet and keto i can't fucking go anywhere without someone being like i lost 30 pounds on the low carb diet or on keto but it's like so new it's so i just can't go anywhere without hearing that right. it's like and i know i face it all the time to clients who are like desperate to be keto and then what you listen to over time is this real internal battle because it's just unfortunately fundamentally you do need some carbohydrate in your existence like yeah you're emotionally not yeah not super and intermittent fasting yeah, intermittent fasting too. And you're you're playing around with these things, and it used to not be a, a choice. You know, intermittent fasting was like, oh, it's just fucking winter, and there isn't any. Food. It's just fucking winter. <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's like it's a we've kind of achieved this level in society where these things are luxury options. You know, they're not. Yeah, they're not necessarily. I mean, they exist for a reason, and they were part of our survival. Right? So our body is capable of dealing with it because it promotes our ability to survive, right? If you have to survive three months with like minimal calorie intake, your body's got to metabolically figure out how to keep your organism functioning through that yeah. period. And, and so it that will. It will, right? For, well, to a point, just like... Well, to a point, and then you die. And then you die. Or, you know, you start facing very serious medical complications from malnourishment. And those things have been studied pretty well. So, you know, like we can talk about scurvy even and how they figured out like, oh shit, if we don't ever eat any fruit or vegetable, like we all get really sick. Mm. You know, it's go figure. And these are the ways things were figured out in the past. And I can't say fundamentally it's super different now. We have much better measurement tools and we we do a much better job of trying to focus our our research on specific things, but it's this correlation and causation problem. Still, you know, it's very, very hard to isolate this stuff short of just pe putting people in controlled environments and literally controlling everything that happens during the day. Like, that sounds really, I know most people would not agree, but for me, that sounds incredibly comforting. I really just want someone, I wish I were like a crazy celebrity so that, so that people would just be like, here, this is what you need to do to achieve this. But it and have this team of experts. Right. And they, their situation is 
fairly well controlled through their, you know, financial acumen. They're able to say, like, I want you to control this for me. I want you to control this for me. I want you to control this. And so, yeah. and these team of experts will they'll figure it out for you. I just want yeah. someone to figure it out for me. Like, I just want to just be like, I'm just going to stand here. And you figure out my life. I'm so tired. I'm so well, tired. And I mean, that's actually super valid because as a, you know, a group animal, we do need other people and we do need support. And this is part of that emotional well-being thing I was talking about because you shouldn't be doing it on your own, really. It's, that's the, I think that's the American ideology at the moment is like, I don't need anybody. I can do anything by myself. I just need me. And really, that's just fundamentally counter how we're designed to live. And, you know, I think all of this stuff ties back together to, you know, whether or not you want to go get metabolic testing. Do you really think that's going to give you another piece of the puzzle that you need to continue your journey forward and make good decisions? I have no freaking idea. Or would it just be fun and interesting to do? Because that's it won't be fun. Cool. It'll be terrifying because I feel like I'm gonna judge <laughs> be judgy, judgy, judge. And I've gone online and I've um looked up the, you know, the what is it, TDEE calculators, the total daily expenditure something. Um, and I'm very confused. I'm very fucking confused. So I thought maybe we could take a couple minutes. Considering this is right, this is right in where we're talking about with uh, metabolism. And if you've been a yo-yo dieter, um, you really could have fucked up your metabolism. But but it's not irreversible. Like how I kind of always felt that this was just irreversible. You fucked up your metabolism. You're done. It's always going to be fucked up. You can only have a thousand calories. Well, that's definitely how it was reported, right? When you think back yeah. to computers, like it was definitely a very fear mongering article about, you know, oh, don't mess with metabolism up where you're permanently screwed. You know, it's like that. Obviously, that doesn't make sense either, right? That's not in your body's best interest. Can I ask you a question that. Um... No, no question. <laughs> that's not what we're here for, Liz. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I wanted to ask you, okay, so there I'm having a random memory of um I think a podcast I listened to years back that said something so upsetting to me. I've always like held on to this belief and I and I don't feel I'm like, how have I not brought this up to you? At least I don't think I have. So they said, I have no idea what podcast this was, so I can't say anything about that but they basically said that if you've gotten fat before that your body will just it's already created all those fat cells and you'll never be able to get rid of those fat cells you can shrink them but you can't but it's like you're never really gonna get what you right like fat fat geez i can't say that word today fat apoptosis or lipid apoptosis is like not very easy to achieve. So yes, if you've generated new fat cells above and beyond the fat cells that you were born with, like those don't go away. Um, but, and they do have a hormonal impact like because fat cells do secrete leptin, which is a hunger hormone. And so if they're empty all the time, like their job is to be full to protect you so that you can survive the winter where there isn't any food. So their job is to be like, hey, 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 fill me up. Hey, and so there is some research behind what that says of, you know, like if you've generated a bunch of brand new fat cells, you're going to potentially struggle more with hunger and cravings 
than another person who's never generated those extra fat cells. But what's not clear, what they don't talk about is how do you know when you've done that? How do you know you do have more fat cells than you did before? Like how much weight do you have to gain? Where's the line and, and how big of an impact does that have? Because it's very, it's, they, they leave that very open. When I was a teenager, like I got on this anti-anxiety medication the doctors put me on and I gained a bunch of weight really fast. Mm-hmm. After listening to that podcast, I'm like, so things that I'm working on, I'm like, so am I just fucked? <laughs> I mean, I think the counterbalance to this is definitely where trainers have been working for a long time, which is muscle gain, right? So if you can carry around a decent amount of muscle mass, it helps your metabolism significantly manage like hunger and all of that as well. And you know, the more physically active you are, the more likely it is that you're going to have. Like if you're really, really active, you actually don't get as many hunger cues. So you can go to the other end where your body's just constantly in a state of like, oh my gosh, we got to run again. Like, ah, oh. and it just doesn't have time to tell you it's hungry. It's like, oh, I'm just going to make sure we can run again. So there's like, there are so many ways to mitigate or manage or kind of work with whatever's happened to your body. That any kind of fear mongering like that really, really sets people back, I think, and makes them feel like it's futile. And it does, it does, yeah. A place of futility, right? Which is what they want. And if you think about, you know, the diet industry and all the different things that come out, it's it's very much to make you feel afraid or inadequate in some way, which makes you want to change something, which drives you towards their product. And okay, these things work in the short term, but they create longer term issues like what we're talking about here right because it then becomes scary and i can't do anything right like if i gain any weight i'm just permanently screwed or if i like starve myself too much then my metabolism metabolism is broken and now i can't eat any food it's like how how are you supposed to make good choices from a place like that you can't yeah right so the thing i would say is like remember that your body is adaptable and then no matter whether any of the stuff we're talking about today is true or gets proven completely false in the future, which is entirely possible, um, it, it doesn't matter to your personal decision-making. And the only thing you can control is your actions and what you choose to put in your body. You can control that. It might not be easy. It might not be the thing that is the most like fun thing to do all the time, but you can do it. And that's where you can make the progress, right? So, okay, maybe you do have extra fat cells from having gained and lost weight over the course of your life. They don't have to control you. And you can work on ways of eating that are going to help you live in balance with that. And maybe it does mean you're in a slightly bigger body than maybe the media tells you is ideal. Who gives a shit? Like, and it's this idea, I think, of... I'm going off a little bit on a tangent here again, but it's this idea that like your physical appearance equals how valuable you are and how much you are loved in society. And it's just not true. If you're living in a body that's slightly bigger than society currently says is okay, or a body that's slightly smaller than society currently says is okay, it doesn't dictate your value as a person to the people who love you and care about you who are around you. Yeah. Those are not the things the people who are around you are judging you on. Yeah. Right? So it's like trying to come to a better place of balance with that and taking the power away from your physical appearance so much can give That's you so a better path forward. Yeah. I wish I didn't know my physical weight because I feel like that influences so much. I think about myself and I'm like, this is a wrong weight. Like, this is a wrong weight for a woman. 
how can you get to a place where that number doesn't hold that value for you anymore? A whole fundamental change of society. Are <laughs> <laughs> you just well, that, Chris? You're not going to be 5'4 unless I chop your legs off. Oh my God. I mean, no. <laughs> I wouldn't really chop the legs off people. I'm just, you know, it's a metaphor. <laughs> like, Chris threatened me today on the podcast. <laughs> um, um, I, back to the TDEE calculator, which is the Mifflin St. Jor. No, your daily calorie burn rate. Okay. Okay. So, so hang on, because I want to just sort of take a second to talk about BMR versus TDEE, right? Yeah. In meat as well. So scroll back up a little bit so you can see where they are. Right, so your basal metabolic rate is the amount of energy you spend daily while at rest. And so when we talk about rest, we mean like what I'm doing right now. I'm sitting here, I'm chilling, my mouth's moving, <laughs> my brain's working, but this is pretty restful, right? When we talk about total daily energy expenditure, that would then include moving around. And that doesn't mean yeah. just structured exercise. Okay. Like doing dishes. I think it's a lot of time when people are like, well, I exercise for an hour a day, so we're going to be doing this. We're not that attractive. Well, no, but what else are you doing? Are you cooking? Are you cleaning? Are you wandering around? Are you chasing your dog? Are you, mm-hmm. you know, chasing your children? What are you doing with your day? Are you a male? Running from Chris with her machete to chop off my legs. I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, that's a one time thing. Probably wouldn't factor in very much to your total <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's how you motivate me to just. I mean, that was definitely happened in the 90s, right? Boot camps and stuff got real popular. Basically, like some dude or some lady shouting at you, making you feel oh. like you can push up. So, I mean, you know. So, but I just want to be clear about that because I think it's important to understand the, the metric that you're using and what that actually means. Like, understand that it, it's giving you an average, which means on certain days it'll be way higher, certain days it might be really lower, but that's what an average is. It doesn't represent, like, individual things, which I think people know, but I feel like it's important to say again because people get really hung up on these numbers. You, know, you get this and it's like, well, today I went, you know a thousand calories over my TDEE that was given to me by its website. And now I'm a failure. And it's like, well, yeah, but maybe the next day you were a thousand calories under. And yeah. so it's like, please don't use these numbers as, you know, lifelines to hold on to, to base every single decision in your life around. Cause it doesn't. Oh, so don't do that. Okay. I'll, uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I was immediately like, "Okay, just tell me the exact number." <laughs> right. Again, I know that's more from this, which is why because uh-huh. it's like, okay, it's a ballpark, it's a metric you can track, it's sort of data to accumulate to draw a graph around. It's not like this is pass fail. <laughs> okay, it's also yeah. highly dependent on the algorithm they're using here. So, does that algorithm specifically apply to you? Maybe. How do you know? So let's go through it. Starting off. So there's got a different calculation for men and women. So it's going to use (laughs) 15. You notice the only number that's different in this equation is the absolute end one, right? Which is plus five or minus 161. So already we're quite heavily between the base metabolic rate of men versus women, which is finally a thing. Because, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago, there was one calculation for everybody. So at least now we have all based on men. Raw. Okay. Okay. So 
calculator. I'm I identify and am biologically female. I'm 34. I'm 71 inches tall, I think. This is in centimeters. So oh, come on. This is also in kilos when you put it in. Wait. So it's so if you look at the calculation in the box, that's what it's telling you it's based off of. So the numbers you're gonna yeah. put in here might not totally reflect. So oh, no, it is, it's inches. In the calculator, but if you're reading the equation, be careful, right? Because if you decide to do this equation, oh. you need to make sure you use the right system. Or, or yeah. just get a calculator because I'm, I don't do, so I don't. Saying, if anybody goes to this website and sees this, <laughs> like either plug the numbers in the way they're supposed to be the thing, or do the equation with the right, right numbers, but like, don't, don't. Oh yeah, don't confuse it. Don't confuse centimeters and inches. This is a metric calculation they're using. Okay, so go ahead. Good point. Okay, so 71 inches tall, I believe, right? Okay. 11, yes. Um, last time I weighed myself, it's like, now I just got like random cold sweats that I have to like enter this. Interesting. Interesting. Um, God, I'm not gonna... It's like this is like the last time I weighed myself before I went off my medication. I haven't weighed myself since because I found it incredibly not helpful and triggering. Okay. So I guess I calculated. Yeah. Yeah. So just put the numbers in basically pulls up this thing, right? Which tells you how many calories you need. And I just want to go back to a conversation we had at the very, very beginning of our coaching journey together, where you showed me a food journal and I was like, holy crap, Liz. You need to eat some food. And you were like, no, if I eat more food, I'm going to gain weight. Right? Yeah. Because I didn't understand. I wasn't thinking like greater volume with greater nutrition density. I was just thinking, what do you mean? Eat more calories? Oh, more calories? That's all. That's all. But that's all I heard was like, eat more calories in my head. And I was like, are you insane? Right. But this is, again, this goes back to like really understanding how the processes in your body work which even the people who are studying it are working on, they don't hundred percent understand it all yet. Right. Yeah. Process, but we work with the information that we can generate, right. Which is, we know that for X amount of mass, it takes X amount of energy to sustain it. That's yeah. And so when you start deciding that that's not true, you're actually working on downregulating that metabolism for yourself. Right. Yeah. So you functioned a really long time off with a really low number of calories, you know, a thousand to 1200 calories and you did lose weight on it. But what the consequences were on your metabolism is sort of what the question is here. Right? Yeah. And that was a long time ago. I'll say I, I did that twice in my life, but it also feels like it's been quite a while since I had, since I thought like, Oh, 1200 calories, like I would be able to live off that at all. It's been many, many, many years. Right. So it's giving you four numbers here. And the first number is your basal metabolic rate, your BMR, which says for you, for your height and your current weight, this is to not gain weight, not lose weight, to just sit there and breathe and not really think very hard. Okay. It's 1,963 calories a day just to exist at the same weight that you are currently at. To not do anything. Literally sit there and breathe. Andrew just brings me food and toilet. Even the chewing is going to throw you off here. <laughs> Even the chewing is going to throw me off. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious, but I want to point out that this is what BMR is about, right? It's yeah, because it's really hard 
cellular survival okay yeah it's really hard not to look at this bmr right now your basic metabolic rate and be like okay i just need to cut out calories from 1963 maybe i'll go down to like 15 or 1600 right so now let's look at the first tdee that they've given you which yeah sedentary or light activity which means maybe you think really hard for your job and you wiggle around a little bit during the day okay it says you need 3,003 calories to maintain your body, which is nearly double what your cellular needs are. Yeah. So it's really important to understand that this BMR, if you start from that baseline, you're already creating a thousand calorie deficit just to have a shower and walk around your house and make your food and go get your mail you're creating a thousand calorie deficit there. So if you're restricting below that, even you're creating over 1500 calories of deficit a day. So what this does is it does a lot of things, right? It, it will downregulate your metabolism, which means this may be a higher number than your BMR at a tested metabolic center would show. And it means that if you eat, over that amount that's over your BMR, you'll gain weight, even though you're not necessarily carrying out all of the necessary functions day to day that your body needs to do to maintain and repair itself. And you're telling your hunger hormones, there's a massive shortage and we better watch out, which tells your fat cells, shit, if stuff comes in, store it, store it now. You're going to need it because there isn't any food around shit. God, I wish I had known this during my anorexic years. Gosh, I wish I had known this. <laughs> and so, again, if we look at your TDE for active or moderately active, it shows 3,455 calories, which means if you're working out five days a week and you have a non-sedentary job, like you're a postal worker or a store clerk and you're wandering around all day, stocking shelves, doing things, this is what you should be eating a day. It's 3,500 calories almost. So if you're taking in 1,500 calories a day and you're struggling to control, in quotes, I say control, to control your eating and you feel like you need to binge or you're always hungry or you're feeling hangry, no shit. No fucking shit you're feeling that way. Look at the calorie deficit you're creating for yourself. This is so, it's so, it's so scary to see these numbers. Right. Because you like, programmed yourself for a very, very, very long time. That yeah. Like, bitch, you need to be <laughs> under 1500 calories like that. 1500 calories. And this is the damage of having these very tight bandwidths, these very tight metrics for aesthetic success in society, right? It doesn't take into account any individuality. Yeah. Oh, and I will. I also want to plug that the Calm Clinic again, K-A-H-M. She actually talks about the history of where the fuck we got that number 1200 calories. And I'm just like, because I remember reading this old book. I found this book in my, go back to grandma, my grandma's kitchen, I think. I think where it was talking about, it was like a recipe book, but talking about if you want to lose weight, 1200 calories. And that's where I got that number. And how good was our science back then? Not good. I mean, <laughs> compared to it probably, I mean, a hundred years in the future, people will probably be like, fuck, what's yeah. good at this point? For sure. That will absolutely happen. Like, no, it yeah. will happen, which is why getting like super manic and rigid about this stuff is like usually counterproductive because there's errors, yeah. even within this, 
there's errors, right? Yeah. So one of the things that they do talk about at the Khan Academy is this idea of, you know, if you want to repair your metabolism, you are probably going to gain weight doing it. Yeah, which is so terrifying, but I'm ready to hear it. This is something I want you to recognize that you've been working on because you've been consistently frustrated that your weight hasn't gone down by repairing your relationship with food and by focusing on nutrient-dense stuff. And I've been telling you the whole time that that's not the goal we're working on right now. We're working on this. Yeah. We're working on repairing your relationship to your body and your food so that you can fuel yourself adequately and confidently. Yeah. But if you're and I feel like... I feel like I've, yeah, I feel, and I feel like I've been putting just logically, just like logically, if I take out some of the emotions, I feel like, Hey, you are doing way better in your life than you've ever done. You know, really, (laughs) but then I get caught up in my, but remember the last time you weighed yourself, you gained, you gained like 15 pounds over quarantine. How the fuck? you know like what you know are you insane okay let's put it through this framework here though and let's look at it like maybe that's 15 pounds you needed to gain for your metabolism to trust you and to realize that there's not a food scarcity problem yeah yeah i logically i'm just like i know i'm doing better and it's so hard not to fall into this this thing of like the only thing that means you're doing better is when someone's like, wow, you've lost a lot of weight. Right. And that has nothing to do with your physiology. That has a hundred percent to do with your cultural environment. Yeah. Ugh. Which is not a great metric for oh my God. anything. No, I feel like, okay. Rant real quick rant again. Maybe I cut these out. I don't know. Rant about being a woman. I feel like if I were, I feel like if I were a man, I feel like I'd feel really proud. I'm like, I'm so big and beefy and strong. And yeah, I weigh a lot because I'm a strong, powerful man. I feel like if I were a man, I would be all sorts of swag. And it makes me feel angry that I I feel like I can't feel that way as a woman. I feel like I want to be able to be like, yeah, fuck you. I'll take you down. No problem. I don't know why it's always aggressive. Probably because I'm angry. <laughs> Whatever, I'll fucking take you. I can fight you. Try to fight me. Um, <laughs> I I don't, but I don't feel that way because I feel like I'm not rewarded in society because of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so rant over. Um, super angry. Probably gonna go punch some things later. Okay. So looking at these numbers. Like you get to make your own rules and the people who are out there doing that, making their own rules right now are changing these narratives. This is not a fixed thing in society and you can do a little bit of homework on beauty standards throughout history and you can see how they've changed. You can go way back and look at fertility statues. I mean, those bitches aren't skinny. Yeah. That's not how it worked. You know, this idea that like leanness and thinness and smallness are feminine things and if you if you listen to a lot of it like um, i spend too much time on tiktok and it's definitely taking on a very feminist little lately just because it's like it, the algorithm that they use is like if you watch a video for any length of time they just start showing you more of that thing even if you don't like it it's like you get more yeah it's really interesting this narrative of like how keeping women small and frail not strong being strong is bad is oh it's bad cool to control right it's a tool yeah 
like, also keeping people uneducated but that's that's a whole nother thing well yeah exactly it's the same it is it's 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 <laughs> i don't know if it's done maliciously or intentionally all the time but it is a system that i feel like is running in the background for women in especially western yeah well i mean <laughs> that was a i take that one back many comments. yeah i was about to say like really i feel well, like <laughs> You know who's doing great with their with their stupid happiness report is Scandinavian cultures. Yeah, those fuckers. I mean, but they have those, those fuckers, but they're too, you know, if you look at the data of Oh like, yeah. Women are treated so much better there. They're just given better education. Also tall people. I'm just gonna tall people. <laughs> also tall people. And definitely, you know, this is why it's so interesting and useful to look at how other cultures do things. It's not because they're necessarily doing everything better. I'm sure there are things in the Scandinavian cultures that are not as good as stuff. I feel like they're full of pickling fish is so gross. gross. Personally. But I mean you didn't grow up with it, so you don't you don't have that association. But I think this is the danger you know, is to, you don't want to idealize or glorify any other culture because they have their own problems, you know, but there are things we can learn from each other. We can learn what yeah. to do, we can learn what not to do. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we can learn what not to do. We look around at some of the stuff happening in the world today, but there's also yeah. a lot of positive stuff. And I feel like it's powerful on a personal level to realize that just because the current social construct you live in doesn't benefit you doesn't mean you have to be responsible for it or guilty of it. Like you get the control. Like you can be a strong, big, powerful woman if you want to. And you're getting married, Liz. It's not like it's made you, you know, reproductively unsuccessful to be a big, strong, powerful woman. It's worked. Yeah, it's actually, I'm sure there's a major fetish for this. I know there is. Right. So it's like, <laughs> it's all down to your framing of this for yourself. I guess, you know, when it comes down to it, I feel left out and that makes me feel oh. angry. Well, when I go, as an example, when I go into clothing stores, I just feel like I can't find fucking anything that fits me and I can never, I have to always settle for something that I fucking hate or I just feel like, well, fuck it. I guess I just have to go live in a sack because nothing will fit my shoulder. Everything is made for shorter women. Like, like it just feels like it's, it's not even like a weight thing. It's more just like, you're just too big for our clothing like physically like your shoulders are too wide your breasts are too big you know and then if i get the clothes it's gonna sound like an asshole thing to say and then if i get the clothes that fit my my breasts and my shoulders they're super fucking baggy like in my waist and pause because is this a problem with you or is this a problem with the clothing industry that they're not making clothes that actually fit people. Because I bet anyone listening right now can relate to what you just said. I don't know a single female of any size who has said, I love clothes shopping because everything always fits me. Do you? Do you know any female has ever said that? I actually do. And they've like oh. rubbed it in. How hungry are they? <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just feels like... It's me. That's what they're made for. You know, they're made for... Just, I mean, if you, if you're, I'm not trying to skinny shame, but if you are like a hanger and everything just kind of hangs on you and you don't have to worry about filling out anything, you're just like, 
I mean, yeah. I've heard I've had women rub it into my fucking face before, like really douchey LA women just being like they'll go clothes shopping with me and they're like, oh my god, look at these tiny little shorts. So cute. And they make me watch them like try it on. I don't and they're really ostentatious and douchey about it when I'm just sitting in the store being like, I can't wear anything in here. Okay. But like who does that benefit the most? Who does that particular aesthetic benefit the most and i'm just going to give you the answer it's the clothing companies because it's easy to manufacture it's easy to manufacture one size of something you can mass produce that it has nothing to do with your value as a person and 100 to do with company profit and so you've got to dissociate what clothes are in a shop with how they fit you and how that makes you feel because it's i mean you can google it right now and you will come up with a thousand videos in the first you know page of scrolling that show how inconsistent sizing is within the same company i hate numbers they don't have feelings and they don't care about yours i know as i sit here and stare at my tdee numbers i want to ask so like with the the calm clinic lady we're definitely going to get her name in the future she's so awesome so she said 20 percent less than your your proper tde number Mm-hmm. for losing weight right does that is that good does that make yeah. sense so like i exercise i've upped it recently like last week i exercised seven days a week but on average i i pretty much have been doing like five days a week okay. weightlifting cardio mm-hmm. so 20 percent less off of 3455 that correct does that seem like well, okay like, or am i oversimplifying let's talk about no it's not it's, i mean let's talk about your feelings here too because there's a big spread between okay. 3400 right so you could even if you're not sure if you're moderate or lightly active you can go 3200 and take 20 percent of that which puts you at 2500 calories for the day that's what i should be eating to lose weight yeah what the fuck Sorry, in my head, I'm like, no, you don't. It's so easy to overcomplicate. It's so fucking easy. I am the best at overcomplicating everything always. I'm a Virgo. Um, So I'm writing that number down for myself just because I want to like be able to reference it. If you're consistently eating 1500 calories a day right now and you jump to 2500, you're going to create lots of things, right? You are going to gain weight. I've been consistently eating about, I'd say, uh, 1,900 to 2,100 calories. And again, this is, again, we talk, when we talk about calories, we're talking about calories comprised of nutrient-dense foods. Yes, that's what I wanted to get into. I wanted to get into coming from that just obsessive, calorie whatever it doesn't matter as long as it's calorie fucking hot fudge compared to chicken breast and vegetables it doesn't matter it's just calories and trying to get away from that because i've like held on to that for so long even though logically i'm like well obviously it's not the same i'm like no it is because i could eat whatever on 1200 calories and i dropped a shit ton of weight (laughs) yes because i was dying (laughs) um okay so speaking of that, to remind myself, yes, 2,500 calories. No, that does not mean going and eating that's a cake. A, right? That's, that's a lot of vegetables. So when we, when we talk about that, we look at TDE and your BMR and all of these metabolic conversations we've had today. And we look back two weeks or two, is it three weeks or two weeks? And we look at your 
angry attempt at pushing people. <laughs> and angry. Food, remember? Now, like, think about that comment again in this context. I was going by these portions, which I still get confused about because these are like the PM portions I have. But when I ate that, it was like about 1300 calories a day. And I was like, huh? Yeah. I know I'm doing something wrong. When we look at six portions of vegetables a day, like that can be a lot more. And you're very few amount of calories. So they'll get lots of nutrients. Oh, hey, we have another quick glance, quick glance. This is from, from last week till today, but just five, it's like five days since we talked and I've been really making an effort not to count my calories. I've just been taking pictures. Yes. Mentally, I can kind of add them up a little bit. I've been trying not to just taking pictures. I'm going to go ahead. I feel like, okay, I have to, I have to preface this because I love to be like, okay, teacher. Now I know what I'm doing wrong. So let me tell you. So you don't have to tell me. (laughs) <laughs> but maybe I shouldn't. Maybe because that's my natural inclination where I'm like, I'm eating too many treats. Show me the food. Okay. It really helps me every time you like kind of look okay. at what I'm eating and then comment because then I get to take that in and be like, oh, I get to kind of readjust my thinking and it really helps. So one of my other clients has been like really at me to take pictures of my food because she's like, she said the same thing you've said. She's like, I just want to see what you're eating. I just want to see it. I'm like, yeah. I am notoriously sucky at taking pictures of my food because I'm just eating it. Like I just sit down and I eat it. Like a normal person? No, I shouldn't. Yeah, well, I just... And so you I'm- are aware that there are like... Because I use YouTube a lot. You know, I'm really into YouTube. Like how you're into TikTok. There are so... Everyone is out there doing the, my um, full day of eating. Full day of eating. Because everyone's just trying to be like, I'm going to eat what this model eats. And then I'll look exactly like her. No, I mean, it doesn't look that way. So like, all right. So I had for breakfast, I had this, which was, where's the camera? There it is. It was two eggs Uh on two Trader Joe's hash browns and two little tiny sausage links, like breakfast sausage links, because I was super hungry that morning. I remember waking up and being like, breakfast, I to breakfast. So... I was like, this is what I want. So this is what I made. And there's a big pile of ketchup in the middle. Uh-huh. Yum. I wasn't super hungry for a while after that. Cause that was, I mean, that's pretty filling, right? When you look at how much protein's on that plate and then you've got potatoes, there's some fat from the olive oil that I fried the potato things in. And then, um, obviously there's some fat and sausage. This is pretty satisfying meal. This is a pretty dense yeah. meal. And so this means I don't get very hungry very quickly. That's fine. Right. Not worried about it. And then the next thing I ate, I think it was probably, that was probably around eight or nine in the morning. And I think I didn't really get hungry again until about two or three. And I was like, I need some, I like some vegetables, my vegetables. So I had a big bowl of cabbage and carrots. I think it's a tomato in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had some ranch dressing on it. And yes, it was full fat ranch dressing. Okay. <laughs> and then, no protein in with that? I didn't, but I felt like I didn't, I wasn't like, the same kind of hungry I was in the morning. I was more like mm, fresh things. I want fresh things. Yeah. I finished that and I had a bowl of ice cream. With chocolate. Yeah, I don't know why that makes me so happy because I also like, I love, I'm sorry, I love that. It just makes me feel so good. Yeah. <laughs> you had a bowl of ice cream. I really like just, I like plain vanilla ice cream. It was super boring. It's that or mint chocolate chip or coffee or it's not worth it to me otherwise. Like those are my flavors. Mm. And then for dinner, I had a Greek salad. I made this Greek salad. Mmm, that's really yeah. good. 
that's all I felt like really at that point. And then so that's what I ate that day. And then the next Do you one, have any protein on the Greek salad or some feta cheese? So not a ton, but I had a significant amount of protein in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I find that like, you know, the next morning I want a protein again. So I had Greek yogurt and berries and a banana. Uh-huh. And, honey on it. and then I had, oh, we went to the farmer's market and we ate something there. I didn't take a picture of it. And then I had another big salad. Oh, as you throw the phone. Fuck it, salad. So I had this big cabbage. I had a bunch of cabbage. I obviously had bought a head of cabbage. That's what I was eating. So I basically uh-huh. had a giant bowl of cabbage with microgreens on it. And I'm pretty sure I put ranch on it. I went for a hike, and then oh, I had pop tarts because <laughs> my daughter insisted she'd never had a pop tart, and so she was like, "Let's get pop tarts." And I'm like, "Let's at least buy the organic ones because the actual pop tarts don't taste good. They don't taste like fruit anymore, but these will taste like fruit. These will taste like pop tarts tasted like when I was a kid. So let's get these." Mm-hmm. And then she didn't eat any of them, and over the course, ended up consuming the entire box. And I was like, well, "We're not fucking buying those anymore because you didn't eat them, and I did, and I don't need that in my day because it's not actually something I really genuinely enjoy." So I'm not going to buy it again until I actually like, missed your chance. And then I did not take any pictures of food for a really long time because I was busy doing dumb remodeling things and I had guests. And I went out a bunch of times and I got this eggs and salad plate with toast. And I had a big glass of um, grapefruit juice with that because it just sounded really fresh and good. So there were eggs there, which you can't see. Oh, and I had breakfast potatoes. Mm-hmm. Potatoes are like the best. Mm-hmm. Breakfast potatoes. Bomb. This is my cat. And I ate my cat. Delicious. I put some ketchup on him and ranch dressing. Delicious. Fine. I forgot a bunch. And now I've been tracking again. The first thing I remember to track was this artichoke jalapeno dip from Trader Joe's, which actually. Oh, fuck yeah. It was yogurt. So, because I don't really like mayonnaise. It's not about like, you can't have mayonnaise. It's like, I just don't. I I love mayonnaise. This is yogurt. And I had some crackers with it. That was a meal because I ate a lot of it. And I just like I I do appreciate what is that? This is an omelet with like the spiciest salsa I can buy. It's got um, spring onions and mushrooms and eggs and a little bit of cheese. I'm gonna salt. like. I think you should. I think this. I think this could be helpful. Um, what do you think about throwing up some of these? Yeah, like Chris's full day of eating on. on I could put it on the Instagram, the brazenly fit Liz Instagram, and. Um, but what I want to see, because you told me, and now if you notice in my pictures, I do this because you're like, oh, I don't, I can't see the scale of it, putting your hand next to your dish. Yeah. And I then, think that was, that was really helpful when you had me do that, or when you like told me that you can see the scale of my portion. Yeah. And that doesn't matter too, because pictures can be really misleading. And I think it also. I know you can put your hand like really close, really far, but I put it right on my dish, if you notice. Yeah, which is good. And if you look at this picture of my, and not that anybody can see this picture except for you, but like you look at, this bowl looks really big, but it's the same tiny bowl that you've got. Um, yeah, actually, with, I think that bowl looks really small. It's interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a medium size. I'm not often super hungry when I first wake up, but I need to eat because I, you know, I go straight into sessions and then I don't get to eat again yeah. until like noon. And so I need something. Um, yeah. And if I don't feel like eating the omelet or I don't have time to make the omelet, most of the time it's I don't want to make the mess and have to clean it up. So I just eat granola. Yeah. And then Layla made non bread because I had made a uh, Indian doll. That's Layla. Oh, I love doll. So I made this bomb doll. It was actually really good. 
Um, and we ate that for like four days. So I don't take pictures of it again because I've been eating it for four days because this is the other yeah. thing. Yeah. None of my food is fancy. It's not like yeah, but I, it's kind of fancy. I think you, I think it's fancier than you realize. And by fancy, I think fancy really just means it looks fresh and there's something kind of green and pretty on it. Well, yeah, I mean, you eat with your eyes first. So yeah, that's a really important thing to remember. Chefs will tell you that all the time. And it's interesting. Yeah. My stepbrother is a chef and he just got, my mom just sent me this clip of him on the local news station making this green gazpacho. And it was like, yeah. yeah. And all he did was put it, I mean, he literally made a fucking smoothie out of green things. And people were like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, because like, it's just literally he used, I think it was random ass shit too that he put in there. It was great. <laughs> He's a great <laughs> chef. But it's like, this is the stuff people need to understand. It's like, you, it's really, really hard to go wrong with vegetables if you have, you know, yeah. a basic foundation of, of what not to do to them. Oh, and herbs. You gotta get the herbs. That's what he did. It was grapes. He used green grapes as the base to sweeten it up. And then he had cucumbers, um, peppers, jalapenos, a bunch of herbs like in mint and parsley and something else. Lime juice? There was definitely lime juice. There's cilantro. I mean, I have the recipe because it's on oh, the... That sounds really kind of like, good. I feel like we should do that. There's so many things you can just chuck together, like your watermelon and mint salad. I mean, like, that's a bomb. How fantastic. Yes. Look yeah, at that. that was... And it was really freaking good, but it did not... I Even though I put out, like, a can of burger, bonzo beans, and I'm like, I'm still really hungry after I ate it. Well, because you're, you're getting the nutrient part. You're just not getting the density part. <laughs> yeah, and that's why... So here's day two... Oh, yeah. carrot, carrot cake oatmeal and then i went to this uh, mediterranean place oh, they have it and i got like um normally i just be like just greens thank you but because of you i had the lentils Ooh, yeah black lentils and then also greens and then chicken and you know all sorts of i said all the toppings like all, all the vegetables basically and he looked at right. me like what and i was like all of it i don't yeah. <laughs> I'm paying for it. Give me all of it. Right. Also. <laughs> and then I had, um, I went on this, this hike and I sweated out all my water and took no water with me. So I was about ready to die afterward. And so I went and got a giant bottle of water, but then I saw this cranberry apple fresh squeezed juice. And I was like, Oh my God, that sounds, I usually, I, this is comes from my days, my, you know, my dieting past. Like I never, I try not to drink my calories unless it's coffee. Uh, but then I was like, that looks amazing. So I drank that juice and my giant bottle of water. And then I went, went and after my hike, I went and played tennis also. And that, and I was like, yeah. And yeah. then I had another coffee, an iced coffee. And then for dinner, I had this thing, which is a mixture of eggs, potatoes, greens, and chicken, I think. How did you feel between these two days? Like, did you notice a difference in your hunger? I felt pretty satisfied. I felt satisfied really after these two days. And then I had a bowl of ice cream, as you can see here. Yeah. So I feel really satisfied and happy. And I felt like, oh my God, I'm fueling my body. It really, I mean, it really, it really did feel like I almost I almost feel like you gave me I feel like you gave me um some freedom where it's like, hey, you can hey, you can eat food. Did you know that you can eat food and um, be all like, you shouldn't feel bad and beat yourself up because you're not super hungry and that means you're not losing weight? 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's still really early. It's still like, you know, I, it's not like I've lost 50 pounds and blah, blah, blah. But the point is, this is how you should feel about your food every day. Like every day, like most of the time, you're going to have days that are good days. Not punished. And like, literally, I think the term you use is white knuckling your way through. Because I'm so used to white knuckling, like just go to bed. I know you're starving and you feel like you're going to cry, but just go to bed because you can eat tomorrow. (sighs) (laughs) So then day three and this day I did. Sorry, what? So many people feel the way you just described. And I think it's really important to recognize that that's, that's a red flag situation. That's a situation that isn't going to help you get where you want to go. I mean, yes, you have to work at it. And yes, you have to make conscious decisions and and effort and you have to cook. You have to cook, but you don't have to suffer so much. It's almost mind boggling. I'm like, you're not going to make growth unless you I guess the whole, you know, you do need to be expect being uncomfortable if you want to grow, but uncomfortable is different than absolute overt suffering to where you're like i want to die because i'm so miserable i think this is an important thing you know is this idea of like what does discomfort actually look like versus what does suffering look like because people say oh you just need to get out of your comfort zone and it's like okay yeah it's like getting out of your comfort zone by jumping into a live volcano that's not comfortable but it also kills you so you know where's the the less serious way to be uncomfortable it's like oh i I made a choice i don't normally make i tried a new food i went to a new restaurant i ordered the lentils instead of the fucking salad leaves of punishment you know i those are the kinds of uncomfortable so the scale of one and ten is like i decided to jump into a volcano because that's really uncomfortable like and one is like i'm not doing any of that shit then maybe a three is like i ordered lentils instead of greens yeah which in a weird way it's like sustainable yeah and the uncomfortableness can be on like it can it can flip-flop so in some ways i could say well i was uncomfortable because i just had greens um because i wanted to really cut my calories and carbs but then i could also say i was uncomfortable because i got lentils when normally i would just have greens with lower calorie and blah 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 it's just yeah so day day three um i made a this is a, this is a protein it was a um pro like organic protein pancake oh something and i put a shit ton of blueberries in it because i bought i've been buying a lot of fresh blueberries because i really like them and then a side of greek yogurt yeah. with almond extract what are your little chocolatey treats i've seen those pop up a couple times what is that, is that and then this is like this is what they, they manufacture this here in chapel hill durham and there are these little toffee chocolate dip toffee mm. with nuts or whatever yes and it's really fucking good nice. and then for my snack i had some more of this like egg it was egg with potato and avocado mm. and um oh yellow squash from my mom's garden fantastic um and then cucumber and then like a salad with chicken and then i had then the like more vegetables with some i think i had some chicken and stuff in them and then i i feel like i i don't even know if this is a proper term i feel like i kind of binge on ice cream because i had a bowl of ice cream and i was like i'm not satisfied and it's sunday night I'm going to have another bowl of ice cream with some peanut butter because I want thing, I want salty sweet. 
Oh, that's a good idea. So the, the biggest thing I want to point out about this is like, if we were to just objectively look at all of your pictures of food from every single day that you've tracked, they're mm-hmm. not actually significantly that different. If from what? From each other. They're not you mean, you mean these three pictures of the three days? No, even from the ones you showed me before. Really? Really. They're not that significantly different. Calorically, they're slightly different. But what the biggest difference is, Liz, is how you approach to these days and how you talk about these foods. Because I want you to hear the difference. Because on Punishment Food Day, you were like, well, I had this fucking bowl of salad and then I was still hungry. But you said that there was only this many servings of vegetables in this bowl of salad. And uh, right, I'm angry about this food. Versus I approached my food and I figured out what was going to sound good, what was going to taste good, and what was going to fuel my body. And here's how I feel about it. And those are two completely different places emotionally that you were at in front of very similar foods. It's not like I'm watching you go to Jack in the Box every day or eat boxes of macaroni and cheese. And like, that's not what's in your food. You're not eating a lot of highly processed food. So I would say 95% of the struggle is actually emotional for you because physically looking at your food and what you're tracking here, it's not that different. So then here's my question. How do <laughs> I feel really good about that, but then here's, here's that lingering question of like, well, then how do, I lo- how do I lose weight? You have to be consistent with this. Because the more consistent you are with positively feeding yourself, the less often you're going to have binges, right? Mm-hmm. The more you're going to be able to respond to the food and hunger cues that you're getting positively. Okay. You're going to emotionally spiral out and start to restrict and then eat a bunch again. Like it's this even keel of like, yay, I fed myself. So what? I enjoyed that. It's all whole foods. Ooh, that's what it takes. I need to hear it because I need to hear it. So what I'm doing looks good and you're not like, oh no, I see where you're fucking up. Like this is, you're all like, okay. Like yeah. I just need a, I need a grade. <laughs> a seal of approval. <laughs> I'm going to give you a B plus. Okay. And How do I get that A plus? The A plus would be getting more filling dense food that keeps you on an even keel. Right. So, so I think you need a little more protein than what you're getting. Okay. So finding ways to get some more protein in. Okay. Because Greek yogurt's nice, but it's really not very like it's not gonna stick. Okay, that's fair. Well, I would say that's what that's an area you can try to focus on. And okay. continuing to focus on positive fueling. And then you'll get an A plus. Because really, wait, what well, was the last thing? Sorry, I didn't hear that. Positive. I'm positively fueling yourself, you know, from the positively. Point. Yeah, like, oh, this is tasty, healthy, and I enjoyed it. Hurrah. Yay. And I stopped eating fire stuff. Hurrah. Like, that's it. You just need to do this consistently. Okay. You need to move your body. And you've been, I would say, like, you get an A plus already for your improvement in your exercise routines. Because yeah, yeah. And they changed that from a year ago. Yeah, they're like super consistent. And I'm happy. I'm happy. And I miss it if I don't do them. Like, right. yeah. So you've nailed two components here. And the only reason the B plus is there on the food is because you're still fighting it so hard. 
Yeah, because I kind of was expecting to come into this today and just feel like, well, obviously I need to choose between a dessert and a and a and a tea time snack or or a snack. I really can't have both and lose weight instead of like okay, but that's the dangerous sentence. I think you need to stop trying to make it that kind of choice. Because like a deprivation choice, like you gotta take something away choice. Yeah, it's funny. Your sister and I just had this literal same conversation about punishment, um, the punishment narrative in your head. In order to make progress, you must suffer, and you're doing the same thing, right? In the sense of like, I can only have this one snack. I want the things that I want. This is the answer, and it's like, well, okay, but actually, that's not working. And so, for right now, a gentle way to ease into this undemonizing food thing we keep bringing up too is like, if you really want the treat, have the damn treat. I mean, the quantity of cheese yeah. here is trivial. You're not sitting down to an entire cheesecake. I know. And the, okay. Oh, and last, last, uh, if you last time, last time we talked, I, cause we were talking about cake and I was like, I want some fucking cake so badly. I will rob a bakery. I don't give a fuck. Um, so I, okay. So I didn't want to, I was like looking, well, where can I go get a cake? And, I will say it was too scary for me to go get a cake. It was too scary for me. I really felt like panic and fear. I was like, no. But then I saw bananas and I was like, I love banana bread. And mm -hmm. I so rarely make it. And I fucking, I think that would be amazing. And then I had like two, my, what was it, the day I made it, like I had, I had like two pieces of banana bread. Mm -hmm. and i was like i don't want any more banana bread i'm done with banana bread right now for today i mean yeah. i had some the the next day i, I finished that fucking loaf <laughs> well andrew had some too but i felt like okay i had two pieces of banana bread and i was like this is amazing and then i just felt like okay i'm just done with it i was like oh and there it I didn't is eat the whole loaf i didn't oh, eat the whole loaf because how you approached it was like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I'm done. It wasn't like, don't eat it. Don't eat it. You can only have one slice. You can only have that one slice. Oh my God, that's a big yeah. slice. Why are you cutting yourself I slice? <laughs> ah, like you didn't do that, right? Yeah. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's like that fear, that demon telling you, you have no control and you can't do this. It's lying to you because you just did it and you proved it. Yeah. And now the next step, I think, is to try this with like the thing I really have been fantasizing about and wanting, which is like a cake. crazy cake, like a crazy, awesome cake. I would go buy the cake and sit there and eat it with you. You know, like, I would do that with you, but I'm not physically there. So, so if you were, <laughs> I would, I would do this for you. I would do this for you. <laughs> I know, I know you would. I know you would. Um, so my idea is like, do I go get a cake and sit down and just open up the cake thing and eat the cake? Or do I take off a slice and then go and take off another slice? Like, what's the, is there a right way? I don't know what the right, I don't know if there's a right way, like which, which approach is the right approach for helping undemonize? Like, is it about? Maybe this is the next podcast. Maybe we do this together. <laughs> okay. Buy the cake and we sit there and we work through your feelings because there isn't one right way. And the fact that you're already like spooled up about how do I, how do I do this? Right? I don't want to mess up eating cake. I don't want to fuck up eating cake. <laughs> then it won't work. And then I'll be eating the cake and not made any progress. <laughs> right? Like, dude, dude, yeah. 
just we're gonna work it out. We're gonna go buy the cake. You can, I'll, maybe I'll get some cake too if we've orchestrated. I'll eat the cake with you. you know, I will eat cake with you. I will not sit on this camera while you watch me eat cake. I feel like that would be so traumatizing. Okay, well, let's work it out. We'll figure out how to make some cake happen for next time, and we can go okay. through the the actual, you know, step by step emotional experience of eating this cake because maybe you do okay. somebody and that's something i hadn't actually considered before i've never never done i've never done this before <laughs> not that specifically you know i've had people do this experiment on their own and i've had them give me feedback and you know i've done it myself personally but i've never done it with somebody so this might be a fun thing to do um, yeah. from the two different perspectives because actually when i think about this this is what i did because i watching my husband eat cake was my sort of anchor of like oh shit, my behavior around cake is not normal. That's what normal. Uh, yeah. Am I doing that? I'm not. Ooh, okay. You know, because it's like trying to share a piece of cake with a friend and you'll find out a lot about yourself. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> that sounds like an interesting challenge. It is. Because it's like, are you fighting? Are you sitting there waiting to see if they take the same size bite to orchestrate what bite you take? Uh, did somebody split it in half before yeah. you started eating it? Because then are you going to take a risk you get more cake than them? You know, like, how does that dynamic play out? So, uh, so interesting. I feel exactly what we're going to do next week. And that sounds amazing. I just want to say real fast, the first thing that jumped in my head when you said that was like, well, I'm going to be all like, I don't want any cake because I want to have my own cake and I want to share it. And I'm going to go buy a slice of cake by myself and eat it alone. Okay. We're not going to do that. <laughs> but this is good stuff and i think let's eat some yeah. cake next week and we'll work well, now we have something to look forward to. no i look forward to talking with you regardless i actually really really look forward to it but i'm also kind of excited about the cake yeah well it's just making this experience extra good it's like cake <laughs> and talking to each other it's like yes. the golden girls i love it yes almost only I mean, we're not old enough for that yet and make sure you know keep eating with intention and eating with joy I will. I'm going to go eat with Joel right now. Let's see. I'm going to do that too. Well, after I pick up my mm-hmm. from soccer. <laughs> so have a great day. Bye. Bye. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful. They will be. They will be helpful. (laughs) It's what you take away from them. The more you know.